1: Hello and welcome to the following on podcast from TalkSport. I'm John Norman, alongside Jarrah Kimbo, looking back at a record-breaking day. When isn't it a record-breaking day these days? England becoming the first team ever to score more than 500 on the opening day of a Test match. Um, and they did it with just 75 overs available to them as well. Four Centurions and uh, and a host of records along the way. Ridiculous, really. Uh, Steve Harmison is not with us today. He'll be back tomorrow. He'll be kicking himself. Um, I'm joined by Jarrah Kimber to look back at day one of the first test of three between Pakistan and England at Raul Pindy. This is Following On. OK, if you're joining us, you no doubt uh, know by now, um, partly because you would have just heard that introduction, uh, that it was England's day. They won the toss. There was a game. Um, it's, it seems like a lifetime ago that uh, this match was under threat. Uh, But the virus that swept through the England uh, camp um, only took out uh, Ben Folkes in the end. His place taken by Surrey teammate Will Jacks. Two debutants for England alongside Liam Livingston. Four for Pakistan. That's something we'll talk about uh, as the show progresses. Um, But England uh, set about Pakistan early doors. I think 14 runs came from the first over. 174 runs were scored before lunch with uh, Zach Crawley game past 100 for uh, just, uh, what was it, 86 deliveries it took him. Ben Duckett shortly after, uh, a pedestrian century from 105 balls. Uh, The Pakistan heading back in the afternoon session uh, with the wickets of uh, both the openers and Joe Root for 23. But then up stood Ollie Pope to reach 100 from 90 deliveries. And uh, he was last man out. 462 for four, with Ben Stokes smashing 34 from about, I don't know, two balls. Uh, Harry Brook hitting six fours in and over. At one point, it looked like he was threatening uh, Jessup's long-standing fastest test century record that uh, Johnny Bester came within a delivery of during the summer. But in the end, he went past 100 in just his second test match from 80 deliveries. So, plenty of batting to talk about. Good batting. Plenty of bowling to talk about. Bad bowling. I'm not sure if uh, the broadcasters are allowed to talk about the flat pitch, but we will. Here on the following on podcast. Story of the day. So, Jared, how about that? eh? runs runs in Perth, runs in Ralpindi. Um, well, you said that
2: the uh, England team was sick, and they certainly had the runs.
1: Well, yeah. I've yeah. been
2: saving that, by the way, and you didn't even smile. So,
1: yeah. Well, I've just I've just chastised Scott Taylor, our producer. What my producer at times for making the same joke. I said you're five hours late with that. You you clearly weren't on Twitter around 40 minutes into day one. Where you must have gone. (laughs) uh, I mean, something must have been taking your attention that we won't go into. But essentially, yeah, there were runs of plenty. Runs in the dressing room. Runs on the pitch. I mean, where do you start, really? I mean, um, let's look at let's look at the match the matchups. First off. Well, it was just a day. I mean, we saw this again in the series earlier this year, didn't we, when Australia were visiting. They didn't score 500 runs in a day, though. That five-day test match. Do you do you foresee at the end of these five days, we're going to be looking back in kind of the same way we did when Ben Stokes and Johnny Bairstow smashed the ball around in South Africa in 2016? We said, oh, this is incredible, while it was going on. And then at the end of the test match, we're like, oh, it was a flat pitch. It was always going to be a draw. Or are England going to put so many runs on the board, a thousand runs by the end of tomorrow, um, that they'll just uh, they'll just be able to keep the pressure on for three days and they'll bowl Pakistan out twice?
2: Yeah, I mean it, it's it's an interesting one. I don't think you can you can get past the fact that it's a flat pitch. Although, was it second ball? Ollie Pope got one that ran along the ground, so occasionally there was some inconsistent bounce. Although it was usually so slow that it didn't matter anyway. Um, so. <laughs> You look at England's bowling attack. What do they have that would have worked on that pitch today? They have more experience, so Jimmy Anderson probably would have tried more things. There were certain times where I was like, Pakistan, can you can you can you try something here? Um, I would have liked to have thought England's fielding positions would have been a little bit better as well. Uh, if you have a look at Harry Brooks' uh, uh, wagon wheel, I think he hit almost every he hit like 90% of his boundaries to two fielding positions. Um, And it it seemed like Pakistan just were like, well, we're not going to put anyone out there. Um, But yeah, look, it's, it's fair. You know, in some ways, if they are a little bit under the weather, let's say they, but they probably don't need to make a thousand. Right. So let's say they make 700 or 800, um, which, you know, might be half. Declare declare before lunch. That, That might be yeah half an hour into tomorrow's play, but whatever they make, if it if the pitch compl- continues to play it, it, the way it is, that means they're going to have to bowl for two straight days, or two and a half straight days, or maybe three straight days, right? So it's tricky. It, you know, it, you're in a. It's a such a perfect way to win a test when uh, the pitch is like this, because we know that we're not going to get how many how many overs do you think we're going to lose in this test? About sixty, seventy overs. Well,
1: I mean, we're going to lose fifteen a day, aren't we?
2: 15 a day for light. And then you've got the extended lunch breaks, uh, for, for the prayer, um, as well, which should be made up for at the end. So you're probably going to lose between t- around about a day's test. So if you think about it in a fir- from a first class perspective, you probably declare now. Right. And you go, we got 500. Um, let's have a bolt and see what happens. I get the feeling cause they've scored so quickly. They're like, why would we declare we, we can absolutely ruin them here. Um, and that might come back to bite them because of everything else. But if you're going to score quickly, this is the ideal test match to do it. Although the bowlers may disagree. The bowlers might be like, why don't we declare now and then come in and put a quick 300 on later on? Why do we have to bat the whole bit and then bowl? Uh, but it, you're right. It could be that there's no doubt. You you have to say that through the history of test cricket, we've had plenty of times when we've had an inexperienced bowling attack on a flat pitch. We haven't had a day like this. Right. You have to put those two things together of right? it's still remarkable, even if everything was in their favour. Um, uh, but if it is as flat as it looks, well, you know, <laughs> good luck getting Imam Al Haq out and Mohammed Ruswan. Like they could they could dig in for a couple of days as
1: well. The the point you make is a great one because England scored so quickly. Normally, you know, um, declaration. So look at the look at the Perth test match. That that all makes complete sense, doesn't it? So Australia hit 300 odd on first day. So you think to yourself, with, uh, and they lost two wickets or whatever they lost. So you think, okay, well, they're back till an hour after tea and then they'll have 550. And then they'll put West Indies in for an hour. And essentially they are setting West Indies a target of 350 to avoid the follow-on. And then you've still got another chance of winning the match later. And yeah. that that's, that's like muscle memory, isn't it? That's like a five-year-old essentially learning... To speak to uh, to read by phonics. I mean, that's just there. This equation just doesn't make any sense because it's like, well, hang on a second. By tea, by an hour after tea tomorrow, England could well have because bearing in mind they still got Livingston to come in, and Jacks and Jacks <laughs> and Stokes is still there. I mean, he's thirty-four from fifteen. This is a, a madly inexperienced Pakistan bowling lineup. I put a question out on Twitter about it. And uh, according to Twitter, it's the most inexperienced bowling attack in terms of tests that Pakistan have fielded since 1952. So and it's a flat track. So England feasibly, even if they do lose a couple, they could score a thousand or let's say they score 850. I mean, but that's that's balmy in itself. But then you have to factor in the, the fact that we've got the second test three days after this one. And if they are to set Pakistan a first innings total of eight hundred, say, they're setting themselves up to have to bowl for three days or two two and a half days. And that doesn't give them much rest time between now and the second test. So it's like, well, what what exactly is going on here? So um yeah, tomorrow's gonna to be absolutely fascinating. Quick question. And just one thing I wanted to
2: say just before no. you go ahead. You said that was Pakistan's most inexperienced test bowling lineup since nineteen fifty two. Yeah. My first thought was wasn't that their first test? Exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. I mean, they were of so all the teams ever, they actually could have started with non de, non debutants because they could have picked some Indian players and, and probably some of their bowlers should have bowled for India, but at the end they weren't playing for them. Uh, but yeah, it's well, remarkable at, to come it's into remarkable, a test match isn't it? That's like that.
1: And that's how I phrase the question on Twitter because, of course, in that first se- couple of series, they're going to have less experienced bowlers. But Nassim Shah has played 14 tests, Muhammad Ali was on debut. Harris-Ralph was on debut. Uh, I guess Salmon, I think, has played one test before today. Sal Chakil was on debut. Zahid Mahmood, I think, might be on debut. I can't remember. I mean, it's, it is absolutely ridiculous. So, um, so, yeah, anyway. Let's talk about the pitch, though, because mm-hmm. we always talk about pitches as though they're roads. That's the word. Oh, it's a road out there. Now, I was driving on the M25 recently. That pitch is flatter than a road. We need to start changing the lexicon when it comes to roads, because what road is as flat as that one? Because if it exists, I'd like to drive on it. Yeah, it's
2: um, it's really interesting. I did a piece, must have been during the Australian series. The Pakistani fans got really upset, but I, I said that Pakistan left cricket in what two uh, uh, as a home test venue in two thousand and eight, nine. When was it thousand and nine. Yeah. Um. So they leave Test Cricket then. At that stage, you're in the middle of the biggest um, run scoring period in probably the history of Test Cricket, right? Just absolutely phenomenal amount of runs being made. They come back now, and they come back in the middle of one of the biggest droughts in Test Cricket history, where no one can make any runs. And it's like they brought the pitches from that previous era with them. Now, they've always been good batting pitches, but you look at the first-class um, numbers on Royal Pindi. And teams aren't scoring much more than three hundred. They're mostly averaging around two hundred on that wicket. And there was a picture that you probably would have seen on Twitter of a of a green pitch, right? So at a certain point, you do have to say, "Well, wait a minute." Um, uh, they're making these pitches on purpose, and they are telling the TV commentators not to say it's a flat pitch. That's not a that's not a rumor. That is certainly something that has been um, told them before. That was a remarkably flat pitch. I, I thought, from a tactical point of view if that was australia in 2002 say right and they're playing in pakistan i think they might have raced away to maybe not 180 off the or 170 whatever it was in the first session but maybe they get to 140 150 in that first session they would have pulled back we know that england is set up especially in this batting lineup with livingston and jacks so down the order uh we know that they're set up to not not be able to do that um but but even so We've seen these sorts of things in Pakistan at times. And we saw Baba Razam and Mohamed um, Rizwan put on that incredible partnership against Australia um, in, in, the, in the test match there. You know, when was that? Earlier this year, last year, whenever it was. Um, so we've seen some big, ridiculous batting performances over there. It, that's all well and good. This pitch just looked from ball one like it. I'm not sure what kind of bowler you would have needed to be to get any kind of assistance on it. It just didn't look like the ball was just going to come at that easy pace. And you're watching Nassim Shah bowl. Even when he was bowling reverse swing, I was thinking to myself, you could probably play this. And in fact, the own that one of the few balls that played up, that Oli Pope ball that ran along the ground. Um that was that was so slow and so low that if Oli Pope was just in a slightly better position where he was standing, he just he wasn't expecting it, of course.
1: It's this um, ball, it, as well.
2: Yeah, first or second ball, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, if he was in a slightly better position, he probably still could have played that. So even the balls that were running along the ground, you could have handled. Like when the ball spun, you could adjust for it. It wasn't going to seem, you weren't going to get um, low bounce that was dangerous. You weren't going to get high bounce. And it just felt like one of those really, really, really flat pitches where you come in, you steam in and all the energy
1: comes out of the ball the minute you play a shot. <laughs> uh, you may mention of uh, Harry Brooks scoring his wagon wheel. and uh... It's remarkable. It is. Thirty five runs kind of between deep point and extra cover. Uh widest shirt long off. And thirty nine runs deep mid wicket.
2: Yeah. yeah there really it. is. I think uh if you if you're interested, it's worth having a look. Oc Jim uh put put it up. And it is look, these things happen, but I would expect that's the sort of thing that would happen back in the like the. 1950s and 60s, even 70s and 80s a little bit more when we didn't put fielders out on the boundary as much and, uh, and we didn't try and plug those gaps. They did have fielders on the boundary. I would suggest not enough based on uh, what we could see here. But at a certain point, you just need to put out five guys on the boundary or try something very, very different. Uh, you know, I would have probably tried an 8-1 field and bowl as physically wide as the umpires yeah. would allow. And they
1: never, they never did. They were bowling They've, they were bowling all over the place in terms of length and they were bowling yeah. on both sides of the wicket.
2: Well, there's so many leg side balls, especially after halfway through the day. And I get it because you're getting pumped, right? But they weren't sticky to one side of the wicket. Another thing, two other things I thought that the seamers could have tried was round arm balls. Because if the ball was occasionally keeping low, is there a way to drop your arm a little bit further and see if that happens? And cutters, I don't think cutters would have worked, but those are the, you want two overs of cutters just to see if that's going to happen. And with the spinners, England... It took them a long time to work out that England were going to sweep everything early on. And I would say they're about, what, 45, 50 overs in the day before they slowed down their spinners, right? If you're getting swept, slow you down. It's really hard. When the ball goes up, down, and bounces again, it's really hard to sweep. That's how Ben Duckett was out. For ages, they just
1: kept pinging the ball in quicker. It could have been even worse for Pakistan considering they had to overturn two on-field, not-out calls. <laughs> I-, I can't see too many catches in the slips in this match. Um yeah. I was reading, uh, I read Makram's Akram's, uh, Gideon Haig has written a book on uh, Wazim Akram. And you know that when Wazim Akram first played professional cricket, he didn't know what a Yorker was. <laughs> so his captain at the time kept saying to him, he, was getting, he kept bowling ashore and he kept getting pulled through midweek. Captain was going, bowl a Yorker. And then at the end of the match, he was like, what's a Yorker? Well, maybe their bowlers today for Pakistan don't know what a cutter is and they don't know how to bowl right round on. Hey, look. I mean, Harry, Harry Brooks' most productive shot was the pull shot in his innings, twenty nine runs from his hundred and one. It's quite. I've just seen it. Ben Stokes, do you know his most productive shot was or? Slog. Yeah, the slog shot.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it. the thing with Harry Brook is that a lot of those pull shots are off spinners as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so was it? You know, I mean, there were some bad balls. I mean, that was the part timer to be fair, who who got smashed there. So Harris Ralph does have a cutter. Nazim Shah has probably never needed a cutter before, if we're being completely honest. But yeah, it was, oh, it was ugly, ugly uh, for Pakistan. From England's perspective, if you didn't see it, if you've ever played cricket, like a cricket game on the easy level when you've actually got pretty good at the game, that was what it was like. There was just a point where it felt like the ball was going for four and fours didn't count for fours anymore, where it was like, oh, it wasn't even a six. Um, you know, you only
1: it, usually get that in in T Twenty cricket, don't you? Yeah, you don't very, you very rarely get that in in Test cricket. But how, I know how, that how did, did you make... feel
2: during the four fours? Uh, sorry, six fours in an over. Over. Should we talk about that in moment of the day? Okay, it just yeah, it just wasn't that big a moment.
0: <laughs> moment
1: of the day. Okay, so what was the moment of the day? Because usually it's when a bloke reaches a hundred, you know, big wicket. Sliding doors moment. I mean, it could have been Zach Crawley given out on 90. In fact, that probably was my moment of the day. Zach Crawley given out LBW on 99. DRS suddenly was back. <laughs> the start of the match, there was a huge shout for LB. Did you ever see that? Actually? Zach Crawley was given not out LBW. I think it was probably bouncing over. But because there was no DRS, they never they couldn't review it. Yeah. But they come, they'd come out after lunch. He's given out. Pakistan are like, what? When did DRS come back? They probably didn't even realize it was back. Anyway, he managed to overturn it. Can't be too many days in Test cricket where two batters are out on 99 because Brad Hodge, Brad Hodge, there's a that's that's it wasn't Brad Hodge that would be a crazy day. Um, who was who was it? it Travis, was Travis Head. Head, Travis Head. That's the first time ever Brad Hodge and Travis Head have been. Did they both play for South Australia?
2: They both played for the Strikers, I think. When Brad there Hodge was go. about 50.
1: Yeah, well there you go. Maybe that's what it is. Either way, um, yeah. So that was probably moment of the day. Zach Crawley overturning a 99 and then reaching a hundred and do you know what it would it would almost have encapsulated zach crawley you know i, I was making my way in today and it's like what how do you make any assessment on zach crawley you know mm. even when you look you know when you look at really really good batters and they break down their statistics by country and you know even the very best always have one country where they kind of average around 33 you know Plus four, and um, Ponting was probably I don't know where it was maybe India in India. Zach Crawley's is the complete reverse of that. He averages nothing against every single opponent, but then up rocks Pakistan, and he averages two hundred. It's quite weird. They put they did this weird graphic on the
2: on the screen where they didn't want to embarrass Pakistan, and so instead of putting his average in on the bar chart, they put the amount of runs he'd scored against Pakistan. But even then, it was 100 more than anywhere else, right? And if they put the average, it would have looked more, far more ridiculous. I think at one stage, he was averaging, what, 240 against them. And the next best average was like 38 or something, right? It was ridiculous. Um, I think Crickvist put a stat up today saying that he averages 76 on good wickets and 24 on, on hard wickets or whatever or whatever that may be. That's a... That's a really, really interesting um split because it it's not that he's basically cashed in almost every time he's played on a good wicket, but the minute there's anything in the surface, he's almost unplayable. Which as an English opener, I find that's going to be a really tough thing for him to ever make consistent runs. Um and if you're thinking, well, that's a normal thing. So Baba Azam, for instance, averages 56 on flat wickets and 46 on 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 trickier wickets. You know, so Whatever it is, Zach Crawley doesn't have that about his game. I this is the funny thing I was thinking when Zach Crawley came through and everyone was talking him up the first time. I reckon that was about two thousand eighteen, two thousand nineteen. Would you say that's about fair?
1: It was November two thousand and nineteen. That's yeah, when so, he, that's when he made his debut against New Zealand away. But when
2: when did he make the runs against in at Beckenham? So, two thousand eighteen, uh, I reckon.
1: Yeah. My, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My well, wasn't it? Who was it against?
2: Can't uh, can't remember um but he, he made all those runs and that was that was kind of the time that uh that the hype sort of started for him if you think about zach crawley then and the kind of player he is what we thought about test cricket at that stage was that the pitches were better than uh in um first class cricket and that there were plenty of runs around in the world and that there was a lot of flat decks almost from the time that zach crawley has come in everything is the opposite and realistically what you want now is you probably want Dean Elgar more than you want Zach Crawley, right? Whereas in in that period from 2000 to 2017, you probably wanted Zach Crawley. So he's missed the period where there were just flat pitches everywhere and you could come in on that big front foot and get on top of the ball. Could not have asked for a better pitch for him today. Um, and and it just worked perfectly. But that's why people are so excited about him because when it looks like that, it's, you know, you're waiting for it. Even if the rest of the time he is going to average 27, you know, there's there's a part of it um, I'd say there's probably another English opening batter who was looking at the pitch today and going, I reckon I, I reckon I got stitched up here. But anyway,
1: yeah, I reckon there was two. Alex <laughs> Lees back home, and Keaton Jennings would be thinking, well, that's me not playing for the entire series. Um, let's kick, um, let's kick the uh, six fours to law of the day. <laughs> oh, got, got a quick question for you. Who was England's best batter today? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, don't know. I thought that moment of the day could have actually been Ben Duckett's reverse sweep in the first over of spin. And then that ridiculous shot that he played to the he passed first slip to it, both in the same over. Was it Harry Brooks first
2: boundary, like second ball coming down the wicket to the spinner as well?
1: Yeah. Over yeah. mid
2: off or something. So yeah, there was a few of that. I, I thought Pope was the only one that, I didn't feel was. I was a bit surprised when he went out. If, I, if I'm being honest, I, I just felt like he could bat forever. Um, I, look, I, I don't know what his numbers are um, on good pitch versus bad pitch from Kirk viz and those sorts of stats, but you know, he, he one thing I would say with Pope is I think he's fine against test ball that uh, uh, test fast bowling, but he's in an era where test fast bowling is really good, and so he's not going to cash in the way that maybe he might have been able to before that but that he really, really struggles against spin, even in first class level of just being able to rotate the strike. I thought he batted really well today. He kept the pressure on the Pakistani um, spinners the whole time. Not that that was hard. Uh, (laughs) You know, he could have blocked out his end and they would have been under pressure. But um, yeah, I just felt felt like he was the best one. But yeah, it was, was, (laughs) there's so many, there's so many stupid things that happened today. Um, It's it's, uh, a ridiculous day to analyse.
1: Who was Pakistan's worst
2: bowler? Unfair to give it to one of the part-timers, wouldn't it? But they were a bit, <laughs> a bit, a bit, a bit, bit rough. Who, I mean, who is their best bowler? Nazim Shah? Nazim
1: Shah, I'd say. He's the only yeah. one who looked like a bowler.
2: He was the only one that looked like a test bowler. So, you could almost give it as a, five-way tie for for everyone else. I mean, Harris Ruff, I think really disappointed. I mean, Nazim Shah is a test bowler. Do you know what I mean? He's the only one that has, has bowled consistently in test match cricket before. Um, Muhammad Ali was kind of everywhere. Wasn't he at times? Uh, The risk. Yeah. (laughs) It's not, it was not, not, it's not, it's not a good question. It's not a fair question. Um,
1: should we, yeah. the, should we get on we get onto of the day i mean if we have to.
3: If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com host.
1: The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. Lol of the day. There were plenty of lols when uh, when uh, Harry Brook smashed six fours from an over. It made me realise I've never even thought about someone hitting six fours in an over. We only ever think of six sixes, six fours. But a quick info saying Jai, um, it's Jai Saree. It's I've been up for a long time. Jai <laughs> Saree hit Matthew Hoggard for six fours in an over. I can't remember that.
2: Alright, so David Hooks did it against uh, Tony Gregg, but I reckon that was an eight ball over uh so he hit six fours in an over um uh, there was an indian player did it against bob willis but i think there was a no ball in that over uh so yeah it's happened before um yeah it, it's a, it's a weird one there are i think Vishore might have done it in an ipl game as well um because there's a particular is a particular kind of brutality that is different than six sixes in an over six sixes in an over is you know end game, uh, you know, throw your console at the walls type situation. Six fours in an over, there's more, there's like a surgery to it, right? Um, but there's also a lot of power, uh, yeah, I mean, to be fair, uh, that uh, the, I forget his name, the part-timer who bowled that over.
1: Uh, uh, it was uh, Saud Shaquille.
2: Saud Shaquille, yeah. His first over went for six, and they took him off, and I remember thinking to myself, they must know something about him that I don't know, because... He's gone for six and he's a part-timer. He's overlooked innocuous, the first one. But I was thinking to myself, oh, you might as well bring him back on and keep him on for two or three until he gets hit, was my thinking. Anyway, the first ball he bowled in that second over, and it must have been eight or nine overs later, was a half tracker. And I was thinking, oh yeah, they do know more than I do about his bowling. <laughs> they were right to take him off. And clearly someone like Azza Ali said, can't get any worse. You're wrong. It actually did get
1: worse. <laughs> Josh Butler was working for Sky and it went to him at lunch and you just thought, what are you thinking? I mean, you must be. Si- I mean, part of me, when he's not in the team, you think, well, at least he can just, you know, go home and spend time with the family. And it's like, hang on, what's Joss Butler doing in the studio? He's been up since like, must have been got there at like 1 a.m. Um, and then like the camera pans to him and they come back and England have smashed 174 without loss. I mean, it's the most attacking England lineup I think they've ever put out in the field. Liam Livingston's batting at eight mm-hmm. on debut. Will Jackson's just come in and Ollie Pope, they're just throwing, tossing him the gloves because folks isn't playing. It's it is ridiculous. And the way Stokes came out in that last 20 minutes as well, it's like, he's like, hold my beer. You know, all those other guys coming back with their pretty 80 ball centuries, he's going to be like, okay, lads, <laughs> settle down. You know, two hours of him tomorrow, he will smash the record. But mm-hmm. poor old Joss sitting in the uh sitting in that studio and he was just like yeah really good to see the lads going out to, uh, yeah executing their skill sets you like you poor sod <laughs> imagine butler's name in there as well yeah it's not uh, we
2: we're talking about keaton jennings and um uh everyone who's missed out before you know ben fokes must be sitting there as well going not the game to look. because it, i mean joe roots not going to be particularly happy either but i just There are. It's really worth noting outside of Pakistan how how rare these pitches are now, and I don't just mean I don't just mean this one, which is as you said, you need a new name beyond road, but to get a pitch this flat this early in a game uh, is so rare. And I was looking at it and thinking to myself, what pace bowler could I handle on this pitch? Right, 70, At about 75 miles an hour, I get to the point where I just struggle to pick the ball up at all. But I was thinking to myself, I
1: don't, I'm, I'm, good. I'm good for 40 here. Eh?
2: Yeah, like, you know, maybe Nassim Shah and Harris Ralph would still get me. The other guys and the spinners, I'll give them a go on this wicket. You know, they might still get me, but I'll give them a go. <laughs> and when you're sitting there, I remember the last time I, I remember there was a wicket in England that was, um, I think it was at Southampton uh when Alistair cook made runs when he hadn't made runs forever and he made runs and and at one stage i can't remember who the bowler was bowled a half tracker and that was the last time i was looking at a test match going could have hit that for four i'm positive i could have hit that for... that's a that's a frontline bowler who's made a mistake and i could have hit that for four um there was a couple of times today where i was like yeah i reckon i could sweep these guys i, re- I reckon i could do that that is how ridiculous uh it was as, as a venue and it's a real shame for pakistan Because this is this, they're having these big test series. They had Australia out, everyone made fun of the pitches there. Australia ends up winning this again. They've put they've, if this was a green top, right? I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that England wouldn't have done well, but if this is a green top, you definitely bring Nassim Shah and Harris Ruff into this game in a way that we didn't even see today. And we saw the ball, we'd say reverse swing, but it, it, it had a gentle tail at times, was the best that they got on the pitch all day. It's just, it's, it, it's stupid and they keep doing it in Pakistan. And we know this is not what the wicket is like in first class cricket. So they are making these decisions. And uh, I don't think when I looked at the world test championship um, schedules, I had Pakistan as the highest ranked side. And part of the reason I had them as a the highest ranked side is because Australia and England are going to have to go there. And they had a chance of, you know, giving themselves pitches that suited themselves They've gone completely the other way. And as it currently stands, it's one day into this series, but as it currently stands, they're not going to win this test match, right? They didn't win. So that means of the six test matches against Australia and England, chances are they're not going to win the first four. What a waste of their time. And also just, just help your bowlers. I'm not saying even make it a friendly pitch. Just don't make this. Baba Azan, before that, you would have seen the press conference said, this would be a better pitch than the one against
1: Australia. It's actually worse. What is going to happen tomorrow? Okay, then, Jared, what is going to happen on day two? How many are England going to make? They're going to make 800, aren't they? You you would think. I mean, they could get
2: bowled out before before 800, couldn't they?
1: They could do. Yeah. They could
2: do, yeah. I I would assume if you could make 800 by, what, an hour after two, after lunch, <laughs> I was say after tea An hour after lunch I don't think you want to be
1: batting Much further than an hour after lunch Is that fair? I think the fact that they won't want their bowlers To essentially have to bowl The last three days of this test match I think that they will be thinking You know what, it would be better To at least give a little carrot to Pakistan, Even if we have to thrash around for 15 Overs, 20 overs in second innings which I know it sounds ridiculous when we talk about them scoring seven hundred, eight hundred, but I just don't think they're. I don't think it's their mindset to just bat time because they they don't just do things because. So when, how those is played? If that's the case, when did they declare then? I think I think you're right. I think they're going to if they're still going. And bearing in mind they've got Stokes, Livingston, Jacks, and mm-hmm. it's not as though Brook is isn't capable of smashing, but bowlers. I reckon. They could, they could, they could hit another 150 before lunch. So that's 650. Then they smash it for an hour. They could, they could hit another hundred, hundred and twenty-five. I reckon, I reckon they could. Uh, so, I reckon, I reckon an hour after lunch, whatever score they've got, they'll, they'll declare. And I think it'll uh, probably be about 780.
2: Yeah. So I think there' a chance of going for 700 before lunch, right? <laughs> in order to just give themselves as much time as possible if they do need to bat again to give their bowlers a rest at one stage right if that's the case they're a chance of being bowled out as well um just because they're gonna have to start again and you know all those sorts of things but um uh but yeah i I do think and if it was me second you
1: balls due five overs i suppose that might that may that might affect things as well
2: they might score quicker uh, with the second new ball i mean it, i thought it was easier to score with a new ball than it was uh, further on it's just by then pakistan had lost the plot i, I didn't think they bowled particularly bad in the morning <laughs> it was more with the older ball that they seem to have less idea but um yeah i think if, if it's me i just tell those four guys the four batters you just swing as hard as you can for as long as you can if we get the 700 quickly we can um once they all those four guys are out there's no point to tail batting I don't, no, think, I don't
1: think no so, point. Jack Leach and Jimmy Anderson and Ollie Robinson. No, no.
2: So it'd be different if, you know, Stokes is on 70 or something, or, you know, Harry Brooks on 190, uh, you might do that. But, but I would think that the, the plan should be, uh, if, if it was me and I'm an analyst in that changing room now, I was like, I'd be like saying, there's no downside here. The worst thing that can happen is we're bowled out for 550. Why don't we just go for 700 by lunch? which will give us, that should give them a session and a half to bowl, right? Right. If they can scoreboard pressure four or five wickets in that session and a half, that means the bowlers will feel a little bit fresher going into the back to back bowling day. Right. Um, The only thing I would caveat that with is if I'm Jimmy Anderson, I'd be saying, why don't we bowl to an hour after lunch? (laughs) I'm sorry, back to an hour after lunch so that we can give it a two hour full on session. And then on day three, um, we know we're going to have to bowl all day one way or another. And then we can make a decision on the morning of day four, hopefully if we're, you know, if we bowled them out by then. So I, that would be the only thing. If I was a bowler, I might think differently. But if I was an analyst in that dressing room, we'd be like, let's just get to 700 by lunch and see see what happens.
1: Let's just get <laughs> have fun 700 with it by lunch and see what happens on the second <laughs> day. <end. laughs> test. Uh, Jared, thanks a lot, matey. Um, Homi will be back tomorrow, uh, but uh, me and you will be chatting. Did you see the tactics took, by the way? Oh, no. Yeah, what was that? I, I, I saw, have no I... idea. Okay, it, brought, it brought back memories. Did oh, we call our show Tactics Tuktu? Yeah, we did. It was the Tactics Tuktu. Well. Wow. There, there you go. go. That's, that's how you win awards, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we'll be back here on the following podcast, following day two of the first test between Pakistan and England. Join us then.